0: Welcome to the Legacy Nashville Podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Um, I really believe that the Lord is, um, over the last two weeks of our fast, the Lord has been releasing to our family, a hunger to pray again. And um, Pastor Brian said something so powerful, which um, he sensed that the Lord had said to him, which is, I love a worshiping church, but I long for a praying church. And we, I'm like, God, choose me. I want to be a part of a praying church. I love worship. I love it. I'm like, this is me on the front, jumping, going nuts, right? Because I just love giving God praise. But there's something about prayer that shifts things, Amen. And we are in a day and we are in an hour where we need things to shift. And so God, we were like, all the last two weeks, we've just humbled ourselves and been on the floor in prayer. And last night was kind of like the culmination of it all. And I feel like I'm just living in the afterglow a little bit. Um, So it's kind of overflowing, but we're trying not to use that word because the potties are overflowing. So (laughs) Jesus, but God's just getting started with what he's building through Legacy Church. So if you're here for the first time or you're kind of still dipping your toes in to see if we're maybe the right family to soak your life to, I just want to say God's doing something special here. And he's doing something special across the entire city. So if it's not this church, find a church. And that's what I'm like going to really, that's going to be the exclamation point of my message today. If I say nothing else, hear that. Because God is breathing life into his church and he's pouring out his spirit in a new way across um, the churches of the nation and across the churches of the nations. And so I just love getting to be a part of what he's building. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. He is the foundation. He is the head. So we choose to do what he does, say what he says, and move in the way that he does. And so we've been kind of exploring that as a church through this sermon series called The Wine and the Wine Skin. And it's basically our in-depth study of the spirit and the structure of the church in the book of Acts. And I'm going to do my best to get us out of here in a decent time. Um, but I really feel this word in my heart to encourage you with the trajectory of the local church, not only in this city, but across the nations. So we kind of uh, have decided Okay, God, we want to explore what it looks like to make the early church in the book of Acts a blueprint for what we're building here at Legacy. How many of you know that this book, the Bible, still has relevance to your life today? There's life in these scriptures. And if you don't find life in these scriptures, I want to invite you to invite the Holy Spirit into your life so that he can breathe life into the words, because this has something to say about everything. Maybe not in the way that we want, but it has something to say about how we're living our life, and we want that to be true about the church primarily, amen? And so we're going to read from Acts. You guys can stay seated. Um, I'm kind of going to jump around, but my assignment today is in Acts 1, and then I get the fun part of opening Acts 2 today as we explore this story of the early church. And so I'm going to read from Acts 1, 12, verses 12 through 14. It'll be on the screen behind me. And then we're going to go to um, Acts 2. And then we'll kind of jump in and we'll just run at God. Okay. Acts 1, 12 through 14. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near the city, a Sabbath day journey away. When they arrived, they went to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. With one accord, they all continued in prayer along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus. Oh, to pray alongside the mother of Jesus. When I climb into the story, I'd probably be sitting next to her because I want to hear what she would have to say about her own son. Can you imagine, as a mother, being able to confess that the very son you birthed is the Christ? She had a revelation nobody else had. She had the revelation of his humanity combined with his divinity. I want to hear what she has to say in the story. And that's kind of what we've been doing. We've been together in prayer all together over the last two weeks, praying and really asking the Lord for a fresh outpouring of his spirit. We need a fresh outpouring. I need a fresh outpouring. I don't need it to be the same as it's been or the same as it was last year. I need a fresh outpouring. And that's what we've been contending for. And that's what the disciples were obediently contending for as they went to the upper room to pray. And that leads us in Acts 2, where it's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the revival, the presence of the promised one poured out. And it says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly like the sound of a rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They experienced an outpouring they experience the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen? And it is holy. I love, Lyle says this all the time. He could have named his spirit anything. Maybe like the powerful spirit, because the Holy Spirit's pretty powerful. Could of see that on display today. People getting healed in their body. Salvation. The most supernatural thing to occur. In all of human history, is salvation. Powerful spirit. What about the loving spirit? He's pretty loving. But no, he de- determined to self-disclose his spirit as the Holy Spirit. And so we must understand and relate to God rightly. Rightly. He is holy. He is otherly. He is set apart. And he is perfect. And whatever he asks you to do is perfect. It's perfect. Whether it's challenging, whether it's stretching, whether you have to die to your own desire, it is holy. He is holy. And we must treat him as such. Amen. God, teach us to treat you as you long to be treated. God, knit together in us a wineskin. Knit together through us a wineskin capable of holding all that you want to pour out. God, unify us around the person of Jesus. We love you, Jesus. The title of my message today is simple. It's the kind of unity that brings revival. In the upper room, there was one thing that stuck out to me which was the fact that they were all in one accord. And the Bible made, it was mentioned several times that they were unified, that they were together, and that they were in one accord. And what I think that this has to say to us as a local church is that if we are desiring an outpouring, a fresh outpouring of the spirit of God, which is the wine... Then we must become passionate about building a unified wine skin. Wine cannot stay in a broken wineskin. Wine new wine cannot even be put into old wineskins. They burst. Why? Because there's a fermentation process and there's a little expansion. So when we say, God, we want you to pour out new wine, a fresh encounter with your spirit, who are we to demand that he do it in an old wineskin? We must build together a new wineskin capable of holding the presence of a holy God poured out among us. And so that, that kind of unity entices the presence of God to be poured out. Unity commands a blessing. Did you know that in the Psalms, David talks about that? That unity commands a blessing from God. There's something about being unified. And I've been so struck as I read through this story in Acts because I, I'm like, God, fill us. Fill us. That's what I want. I'm like, God, fill me. I need a fresh outpouring. But then I was like, but who am I to demand a fresh outpouring if I'm dealing with old, filthy wineskins? He can't pour out a new thing in an old way. Every generation has the opportunity to build a fresh wineskin before the Lord. We're not trust fund babies in the spirit. We do get an inheritance, right? But we're not trust fund babies. So we're not like, hey, God, my parents did the work. And so I get to reap all the blessing. Hey, there is spiritual um, framework for that, yeah, in the Bible, that your kids will be blessed generation upon generation upon generation as you say yes to the Lord. But that has nothing to do with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You, we, must continually build a wineskin worth filling. And that's... What we're talking about the wine and the wineskin. The wine is the spirit. The wineskin is the structure. The structure can be a little bit hairy to discuss because some of us, including me, I have some hurt with the wineskin. Sometimes the wineskin, the structure, this thing that we do as a local church can be, um, it can disappoint me. It can let me down. But that's where unity comes in. And Jesus commanded his disciples to go to the upper room and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit to be poured out. And what they understood is that we are going to be obedient to the voice of Jesus because we understand that we cannot be unified aside from him. So we have to determine as a church what we don't divide over. If you want to contribute as a part of the wine skin, as we're praying and asking God to pour out fresh wine, we have to determine that we are willing to stay more than we are willing to be pushed out. And so what we say is, hey, Jesus is Lord. Plow says there are some things that just land in a closed fist. We will not discuss this with you. We will not answer an email about it. Jesus is Lord. He is the risen Christ. He is the salvation of the nations. He is alive. He is not dead. We don't discuss this. And we unify around the things like the person of Jesus. And if he called you here, he's going to give you grace to stay in those moments that tempt us to divide. I noticed in the, in the disciples that there was two ways That they were possibly, this is me interpreting the story on my own, so take it with a grain of salt, um, possibly unified, okay? They were firstly unified in their presence, so they were in the room, okay? They were secondly unified in heart. So they weren't just in the room, they were in the room. Did you know that this was wartime? Not... Not maybe naturally, but in the spirit. This was wartime. They were praying in the light of the crucifixion of their best friend, their Lord and Savior, just 40 days prior. They were holed up in a house in the place where he was crucified, wondering if the same fate would be theirs. Wondering if the same, we see, I, I've read this story and I'm like, it's, it's beautiful. There's just prayer and there's Mary who's, you know, listen, that woman understood probably what it meant to die with Jesus and be raised with him. But so she, you know, everybody else is in the room. Is pro- we're not like sing-songy in the room, okay? There's not like this, there's not Brian Eggers in the back on the pads. Ooh, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. That's not happening. They're in the room terrified but obedient, unified around the Christ, saying, hey, if he said it, we'll do it. And those are our roots. Those are our roots. So if he said it, we'll do it. We're an obedient people. He said, I'm building a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. If he said it, we'll do it. He's the foundation, the cornerstone, and he is continually building his house. But he doesn't just build wineskins to live empty. Jesus builds wineskins to fill wineskins. Jesus, all throughout the scripture, builds to fill. That That is his way. In the book of Genesis, from the dirt, he fashioned you. And you were not alive until he filled you with his breath. The tabernacle was built just so. I love reading about the building of the tabernacle. I love the local church. I love the details. I love the color of the carpet. I love, I want the curtains to be just right and the paint. And I care far too much about all the details because I love building with the Lord, the local church. But it wasn't just to sit there and look pretty. So if you came in the room today, just like I'm gonna keep all my funk to myself and just sit here and look pretty, I have probably challenging news for you. That's not the purpose of the temple. The purpose of the temple is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. In the New Testament, we find out that we are the temples. And that he has designed us not just to be filled with the breath of God, but the spirit of God. And so we're like little temples walking around, representations of what God wants to do through the local church. A unified body. Why did he call it a body? These things, these are the things my brain thinks about. Why did he call it a body? Because he knew we would know exactly what it meant now now we don't always because we're so distant from the early scripture writing days but them at that time would understand okay so i'm being filled at, you've called me the temple okay now we together are unified as the temple and we built we together become this thing called the church not just to stand there and look pretty Not just to be good, not just to be big, not just to be small, not just to be preferential, but to be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, the church away from the Spirit of God makes no sense. The church and the Spirit were always meant to live together. They were birthed at the same time. The church was birthed at the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, which signals to us they are never supposed to be parted. May the train of his robe fill the temple and may every person know that he's here and that he longs to fill us. He builds what he longs to fill. But he also has no problem testing. It's an uncomfortable reality for us as believers, but I see it so evidently here in this passage with the disciples waiting in agony. I can imagine it was agony. Can you imagine your best friend? You're like, it's like whiplash, spiritual whiplash. Are you kidding me? We've got a supper and an ear cut off, and then it's the Cross, and then it's death, and then it's sadness, then it's resurrection, then it's joy, and then it's has gone. And there is spiritual whiplash happening right now. They are catching up with the last 44 days of their life. That's not that long. That is not that long. You can I can remember what I was doing 44 days ago. I was probably sick somewhere, you know. One of my kids was sick. I said this in the first service. I was like, we're going to have a talk. You're going to be in my living room. Except imagine that my kids who interrupt us every 10 seconds while we're talking are not here and they're in Legacy Kids. So that's what I wanted it to feel like today. But they're having spiritual whiplash, okay? It's not that long ago that all of this went down. And they're like joy and sadness and joy. And they're probably in a low moment right now, despite the fact that they're trying to hold hope based on a word that Jesus gave to them. And this is a test, this is a test. In the Bible, the number 10 is representative of testing all throughout scripture. It's why the tithe is a 10th, because what we're declaring is what we'll do with the first 10% is what we'll do with the rest. So how we posture ourselves with the first 10 will determine what we do with All the rest. That's the nature of scripture. It's it prophesies to us, okay? So the number 10 is a number of testing. Did you know that the disciples tarried in prayer? I have a cold, sorry. (laughs) I got through most of it this time, but last time was bad. Um they got through most of those. Most of the disciples tarried for 10 days before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 10. Do you think that's on accident? I do not. Because God tests. I have precedence in the Bible for the Lord building and filling immediately, okay? So we see that in the, in the building of the body and him filling us immediately with his breath. The temple built... His presence rushes. But I also now have precedence in the Bible for building something and it taking time. Us having to tarry. Us having to pray. Us having to build inside just like we're building outside before the Lord pours out the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a gift from the Lord to show us that he tests what he wants to fill that's why um, there's so many scriptures in the bible about responses from the lord when you tithe so what you do with the tenth, he promises to pour out a blessing that you cannot contain why because he builds what he wants to fill so he's like hey I build this reality of how you deal with your money I test it and then I because I have plans to fill it okay I think that's what's happening here. Um, I, th- I imagine the testing of the Lord almost like when I um, try to stand on my dining chair and reach the top shelf in my kitchen. You know, you do that thing where you're like, okay, we're good. And then you're like, next foot. And then, but you're still holding on to the counter because you don't want to look like a dummy if you fall down. Just me. And then you're like, okay, it can hold my weight. And then you stand up and you do what you got to do. That's how I imagine the testing of the Lord in our life. Some of us are in seasons of testing right now. We're feeling stretched beyond our capacity and we're asking the Lord to rescue us. But there is a purpose in the testing. Why? Because he tests what he wants to fill too. He tests it. Why? Because he he needs to understand the capacity of what he's about to fill. He needs to understand the capacity. So, God, test me. Search me. Know me. I want my capacity to expand. God, test us. Search us. Know us. I want our capacity for the presence of God to expand. If he is tarrying, it is only for our benefit. It is only for our benefit. We, We do not... Testing is not articulated when everything is good. Amen. I think we can understand that. (coughs) Testing is best articulated when things are stretching and challenging. So what happens when you get the planning center notification for legacy kids and you're like, I had a really long weekend. I'm just going to press snooze and say, sorry, I'm sick. I'm calling out today. No, there are testing moments, right? Wedges, you know, to test the capacity of what you have And if the Lord finds that you are present in your body but not present in your heart, I'm curious to know if we're ready for an outpouring. Because the Lord is an intimate. I don't want my my husband's presence just like, how's the best? You know? I I want the fullness of him with me. I am a quality time person. And I need lots of time to just talk about things. I don't even, who cares what I'm talking about? Just are you listening? Are you present? (laughs) Not just in your body, but in your heart. And I think the Lord is an intimate. I think he's a quality time guy. I think he's a words of affirmation guy. I think he's all the love language is wrapped up in one. But what I think is that we shortchange the process. What we do is, is we say, I can't stay because you're not doing something in my timing. And I can't stay because while I was in the room, someone hurt my feelings. That pastor did not pay me any attention. That worship isn't the way that I like it. But you know good and well, God's called you to a house. You know, he's called you here. And you're like, I can't. I don't want to remain together because I'm more consumed in the season of testing with my comfort than I am willing just to abandon my comfort and let him fill whatever he tests. God wants to pour out. God wants to pour out. Are you ready? Are we ready? He has plans to pour out. That's, That's who he is. He fills what he builds. He can't not. That's just who he is. So are we ready Have we been tested? Have we been battle proven? Are we ready? I want revival. I want an outpouring. But I also want I want to be able to hold it beyond the moment. I want that for us. I love an outpouring. I love it. I love his presence. But I want to be able to steward it beyond the outpouring. May we not be so arrogant to think that he would pour his new best wine into an old wineskin or a broken wineskin. So we must all together do our part to say, if I'm praying for revival, I'm staying committed to the family. That is the challenge of the local church. And he did it on purpose. It's a test. Did you know there were 500 people who heard the call of Jesus to go away and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit? Only 120 were in the room when it happened. There are far more people who couldn't stay than did. God, may we not be that people. May we not be one of the 380 that said there was more important things to do then build for the presence of God to fill. And that's the challenge of being a part of a local body. I don't know if Brian's back there, but keys can come back if they want. We're going to wrap up, but that's, that's my prayer today. That's my prayer. That's been my prayer across our fast is that God would knit together in us and through us the kind of wineskin deserving of the glorious outpouring of God that He wants to pour into our community, into our family, into our city. May we not be arrogant to think that He's willing to cast His pearls among swine. And we don't like thinking of ourselves like wasteful people, but we can waste His presence. We can waste the outpouring. And He gave us the body, the family as a beautiful place to test and to uphold the outpouring of his presence. So if you're here today and you're like me, oh, I've been, I've been hurt by the wineskin, I've been disappointed by the wineskin, I'm only here for the wine. Um, I just wanna humbly submit to you that is, that's not his desire. That's not his desire. His desire is that we repair what's broken between us and that we do the work to be proven and tested, worthy to sustain the outpouring. God, let us not waste a single drop. Let us not waste a single moment in your presence In Matthew 5, I feel, I feel to read this. I didn't even read this in first service, but as we're closing, I want to read Matthew 5, um, starting, I think, in verse 23. It says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there at the altar remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift what this communicates to me is that the Lord is very serious about our relationships with each other. Very serious. Meaning, I will not even receive a sacrifice of praise from you. I would rather not if you know that there is disagreement between you and another in the family that he's placed to you. So I want to encourage us to be vigilant. He takes it seriously. He takes our connection, our presence, our presence of heart, our presence of body very seriously. And if you take the presence of God seriously, I want to encourage you to help be a part of the wineskin. And be a committed part. Be a committed part. I have never grown as much as When I became a parent, yeah, there. Um, But also, when I planted my feet firmly in a local church, there is no replacement for it. There is no replacement for it. The amount of times we've said that we're sorry, all unto the purposes of God. The amount of times I have eaten my words and said, I was wrong about that. And if I can do it, you can do it too. Protect the house because he longs to fill it. Protect the house. He longs to fill it. Let's stand. I want to pray specifically today. I want to pray for anybody who feels and knows that they have been disconnected from the house, whether in body or in heart. So maybe this is the first time you've been back in a long time. Maybe it's the first time you've been back in a church in a long time. If that's you, I want to say, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. The harmony of the house is off when you don't sing your song. We miss you. We love you. And I also want to let you know, you're right. It is hard. It is. So is marriage. So is parenting. Anything good is challenging. So if that's you, or you know that you've been here in presence, but you've not been here in heart. If that's you, with all vulnerability, I'll lift my hands with you. If that's you, I want to pray over you today. If that's you, just lift your hand today. Yep, I knew it. There's so many of us here. And God's going to do a work. He is a supernatural work. Why? Because he builds what he longs to fill. That's his way. So, God, right now, I declare and I pray a blessing over every vulnerable saint in the room who would so boldly say, God, I've not been here in my heart. I've not even been here in my presence, but I want to be a part of the wineskin that you are knitting. God, I ask that you would bless them, that you would bless them with relationships, that you would bless them with a sense of security in the house. God, I declare that every painful moment as the result of being a part of a local church body, God, that it would just fall to the ground and die. In the name of Jesus, God, anywhere we need to forgive, teach us to be forgivers and fast forgivers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. God, I thank you for your genius idea to birth the church and to fill it with your presence. We love you and we bless you now. And everyone said amen. Amen, amen. amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at legacynashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.